When the broadcasting authorities told me that in order to keep our franchise we would have to provide more airtime for minority groups, as managing director of this station, I, Sir Norman Tonsil, was of course delighted. Uh, I'm well aware that we live in an uncaring society. I myself certainly do. I don't care about anyone. <laughs> uh, my first suggestion was that we run an early morning show fronted by our Asian and African friends catering for their special interests and uh, called Breakfast with the Bimbos. <laughs> Uh, for some unaccountable reason, the broadcasting authorities were less than enthusiastic about this. Uh, so I then suggested that as we broadcast over 8,000 hours of radio a year, we could allow all the different minority groups in the country to share a 30-minute slot. And, uh, this is what we're going to do today in our link-up with Radio 4. It's a marvellous opportunity for you to hear a whole range of puffs, wogs, wops, spicks, greaseballs, junkies, psychopaths, and, of course, Welshmen. <laughs> Well, many thanks to Sir Norman there, and welcome to our special minorities programme, which will be trying to aid our local community. Obviously, some of the people we speak to won't be as well-spoken or clever as we are, so the standard of broadcasting may not be up to its usual standard of broadcasting. But we hope this won't spoil your enjoyment of the programme. Also, much of the jargon used by ethnic minorities may be foreign to you and include words and phrases of an uncultured and banal nature. Yes, indeed. So, with the big, big time fast approaching the top of the hour, let's run the show now up the flagpole and see you salute. What? Radioactive Minority Show! Well, the immigrant communities the world over are on the increase, and it's often surprising to see which areas become popular with certain nationalities. Uh, the largest population of Greeks anywhere in the world, outside of Athens, for example, is in Melbourne. Uh, what they see in the sleepy Cambridgeshire village is difficult to understand. <laughs> Mr. Saranieva, formerly of Harren Catalogue Street, Budapest, now of Dingwall Road, Croydon, gives his reasons for moving here. In England, we are free. We can say what we think and we can do what we like. I see. For example, I was in Woolworths yesterday. Uh, that's advertising. Oh, well, I, I was at the shops yesterday and I hear on the radio the BBC on news. the wrong side. What? Uh, that's the wrong side. I'd have to say radioactive news. Oh, for Christ's sake. That's blasphemous. Oh, f I'm afraid uh, we had to bleep out the rest of what Mr. Saranieva said. Uh, but we did get a very positive response from Mr. Char Sui of Soho. Yeah, we were in Soho. Our people are Chinese. So we all have restaurants. I'm so very happy. And why do you all come over here then? Uh, first, because the food is so good. And I'm despairing. Think that no one bothered a caring. Radioactive gives you an airing now. Well, now we come to an item that I've been looking forward to very much on this show, cookery. And I'm very pleased to have with us Jose Pere and his assistant, Diego Palata. Uh, now, I believe the recipe that you're going to tell us about is an old South American one. This is right. It's a very old recipe. Uh, is it basically a Spanish recipe? No, it's earlier even, I think, than Spanish. It's a recipe. I think it goes back to ancient South American Indians. Fascinating. And this recipe, in fact, has been in Diego's family for hundreds of years. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, we uh, prepare it all in a large saucepan that Diego has brought along. Mm -hmm. And now first we put this on the stove mm -hmm. with a little olive oil. And now if my assistant pass me the chilies. Chilies. Chilies, some pistachio nuts. 
Uh, and some garbanzos. Garbanzos. Yes, he's the type of bean that we have. We, mm. we stir that up, we start to get a thickish sauce. Hmm, what happens now? And now if my assistant would just like to get into the large saucepan. Uh, now I sprinkle a little rosemary over him. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Uh, rosemary is a type of herb. Yes, uh, I, I know that, but I don't understand what your assistant is doing in the saucepan. Well, it is necessary for him to slowly absorb the sauce. Why? Well, it makes him more tender, you see. Get right down in the sauce, Diego. Uh, I'm sorry, but this may sound awfully stupid of me, uh, but you're not about to eat your assistant, are you? No, 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 of course not. Oh, good. He won't be cooked for another few hours yet. <laughs> now, Diego, you'd like to swallow some cloves of garlic now? Uh, I thought you said that this was a traditional uh, family recipe from Diego's family. Uh, see, members of Diego's family have been eaten like this for generations. Oh, no, get him out. You want to taste him already? Uh, no, I don't want to taste him at all. What's wrong with me? Oh, now you're upset him. You upset Diego. You, you want to know what's wrong with him. Oh, nothing. I like him exactly as he is. He want to eat me wrong? No. I told you. I told you to fatten up for this show, Diego. It's no good. I already stole a bowl. Now you disgrace me. Oh, please. This is the last time I try to cook you. Oh, let's go over and see how Mike is getting on. Ah, I see. You're already cooking someone cooked Mike. No. What gas setting you use? Well, uh, throughout the programme today, we're giving various minority groups the opportunity to air their grievances. And right now, it's a chance to uh, hear from someone who wants to talk about discrimination against dwarves. Yes, that's right. No one in the media seems to take dwarves seriously. We never get a fair hearing. You don't even lower the microphones for it. Well, thanks very much, little man. Hey, not so much as a little man. I can tell you we dwarves are sick and tired of people making fun of our height. Right, well, uh, thanks very much. We'll uh, certainly try and treat you with more respect in future. <laughs> we dwarves. The next minority group we're going to be concentrating on is the Eskimo, a group we don't really hear much about in Britain today. I have with me Nuke, an Eskimo who lives in Putney. <laughs> Hello, Nuke. Hello, Anur. Now, Nuke, all we really know about Eskimos is that you live in igloos, mm -hmm. you rub noses, mm -hmm. catch fish, and mm -hmm. when you get too old, you're put out to die. Uh -huh. Obviously, there must be more to being an Eskimo than that. Yes, obviously, that's not all we do. <laughs> I should think that living in igloos, or rubbing noses, catching fish, and leaving old folk out to die takes about 99% of our time, but we do do other things. Uh, for instance? Well, we uh, build the igloos, we eat the fish, uh, we wipe our noses after rubs, <laughs> and we bring the dead bodies back in. Yes, but uh, could you tell us some of the other things you Eskimos get up to? Surely. You've, uh, you've got to skin the fish, cut the tail uh, and the head off. Uh, you can keep the tail because they're quite useful for wiping your nose after a good rub. <laughs> Uh, take out the backbone, heat it up, eat the fish, by which time you probably want to nip out of the igloo to perform your ablutions. <laughs> and a useful trick here, Anna, is to use the same hole in the ice from which you had previously extracted the said fish. <laughs> Always making sure you don't trip over somebody who is lying out to die. <laughs> So, you see, it's not just igloos, fish, noses, and death. Indeed. No. How do you keep yourselves amused? Oh, well, Anna, there's lots of ways, really. Uh, one of my personal favorites is to pretend I'm going fishing and then just leave myself out to die for a joke. <laughs> a laugh and a half, Nuke. Thank you for joining us. Radio actives. Minorities. Joe. <laughs>
Well, now we turn our attention to minority sports. And over the last few years, there's been an increasing interest in Asian martial arts. Judo, karate, kendo, ikado, and now the latest to arrive, jitsaki. Mike Channel, himself a keen golfer, spoke to the founder <laughs> of the local jitsaki club and asked him in what way it differs from other martial arts. In what way it differs from other martial arts? <laughs> Well, unlike most martial arts, which are purely forms of self-defence, mm. jitsaki, you see, is purely a form of unprovoked aggression. I see. And how does it work, then? Oh, well, you, you stand like this, all mm -hmm. right, feet apart, yeah, right. Uh, arms raised, uh, chest mm. level, uh, forearms crossed in front of you, right. and I, I creep up from behind and jump on top of you. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, well, can we see uh, someone else demonstrate this, then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Deborah and Simon are going to show us now. Uh, girls can take part in this, can they? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're rather good at it, actually. Uh, they've often got longer nails. Ah! Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's it, taking their stance, arms raised, feet apart, and... That's a very good example there of a short jitsaki bout. Uh, what exactly is the difference between this and a general free-for-all fight? <laughs> well, it, it's a sport for a start, you know. In fact, it's a very popular sport. Well, if you're a three-year-old in the playground, I suppose... Ow, let go of my hair! Don't oh. tell me it's not artistic. Ah. JK's Carpet Warehouse, they've got loads of great bargains from only $2.99 a square yard. Free delivery and free fitting too. Hurry down to JK's Carpet Warehouse, Pearly Road, Croydon now. Open late Thursday. Uh, Pamela, it's for you. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello, Pam. I've just been to the summer sale at JK's Carpet Warehouse. They've got loads of great bargains from only $2.99 a square yard. A soon. Free delivery and free fitting too. Hurry down to JK's Carpet Warehouse, Pearly Road, Croydon now. A Sue, you're talking like an advert again. Am I? Yes. Well, so would you if you'd just been to the summer sale at JK's Carpet Warehouse. Poor Sue. Got... She's got it bad, hasn't she? At Norwood Home for Victims of Advertising, we get... <laughs> We give women like Sue the peace and quiet and the medical attention they need. Hello, Pam. Hello, Sue. How are you feeling? Much better, thanks. How's the Norwood Home for Victims of Advertising? Oh, it's all right. They've got loads of great nurses, beautiful rounds, just for £100 a week. Sue. And look how white my straitjacket is. <laughs> so, uh, Mr Swift, we haven't seen you at church for a while. Oh, no, that's right. Well, uh, what with the garden to do and the house needing redecorating, and you know what it's like with the children, always the unexpected. Well, we just don't seem to have got round to it. Well, uh, how about next Sunday? Oh, well, I just remembered. I've arranged to play squash with my brother-in-law. But, I mean, we'll drop into church one of these days, don't you worry. Actually, we get along pretty well with our church these days, to tell you the truth. Mm, how about the week after next? Oh, I never planned that far in advance. I mean, two weeks, the whole world could blow up in that time. <laughs> that's right. Come to church. You may not live to regret it. You're in a minority. Feeling a terrible inferiority. Just for the moment. You're in a majority. Radioactive minority show. 
Well, this programme has already given us the opportunity to uh, hear about some rather out-of-the-ordinary minorities, and it's the turn now of religions. Uh, with me, all the way from the island of Sampan, just off the coast of India, is uh, Ramat Sung, who is a Masalam, is that right? Yes, that is correct. Now, tell us uh, a little bit about the Masalam religion, then. Uh, well, Mike, it is somewhat similar to Islam, but we have our own sacred days. Yes. Uh, I believe one of the main ones is called Ranadin. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, you see, in Masalam, the utterance of the name of our sacred day must be followed by a chant of religious devotion. I see. Well, besides Ranadin... That... Yes, uh, besides that, I believe you have several other uh, sacred days. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, there is Danarin. Danarin. Yes. No chant of religious devotion for Danarin, then. Uh, no, no chant for Danarin, mm -hmm. unlike Ranadin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When... When does Danarin fall? Uh, Danarin falls every year on what you call March the 1st. Ah, oh, the same date as our St. David's Day. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you saying St. David's Day is a sacred day in Masalam? Oh, no, that was the chant for the third mention of Danarin. It's not as sacred as Ranadin. <laughs> so it gets a chant every third mention. Right. Well, uh, perhaps we could turn to the basic belief of Masalam. Yeah, yes, the, the fundamental belief of Masalam is mm -hmm. that all of us on the island of Sampan will one day return to the home of our fathers. And where's that? Kingston-upon-Thames. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> thank you for coming and putting us so much in the dark about Masalam. Uh, thank you, Mike. And let's go over and join the lovely Anadapter. Hey, 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 hey. surprise any visitor to Britain how many small communities there are left speaking a language that bears no similarity to the Queen's English. Scots Gaelic, Irish Gaelic, Welsh, Brummie and of course Cornish. And the latter is all the more remarkable for the fact that they claim a native speaker of the old Cornish language can understand a Frenchman who speaks the old Breton dialect. And I have one of each with me now. Firstly, Jack Trelawney from Penzance. Well, that's quite extraordinary. What did you say? Well, I asked him if it was the first time he'd been to England. And what did he say? He said he couldn't understand a word I was saying. <laughs> well, that's a great success, then. No. Uh, maybe, maybe you could ask him if he speaks English at all. All right. <clears throat> Do you speak English at all? <laughs> no, I, I meant in, in his own language. Oh. Very yet he's in the burger for it, doesn't mean full mistake. What did he say? He said he'd have a cheese sandwich and a coffee. <laughs> we uh, we don't seem to be getting through to him. Uh, that's because he's a slimy froggy. Hey, <laughs> what are you calling a slimy froggy? Oh, well, you seem to understand that all right. Garnish pasty, you French stick. <laughs> well, let's leave them there as we go the back and join Mike Channel. Radioactive gives you an airing now. Well, the radioactive drama rep have been doing their bit for minorities for years by employing the most deadbeat actors they could lay their hands on. And uh, for their live production today, they were asked to come up with a drama along the lines of Gandhi and Jewel in the Crown, a piece centred around the search for independence by the Indians. They came up with something called Custer's Last Stand. <laughs> to persuade them that they had the wrong sort of Indians was the work of a mere four hours, but they finally agreed to produce another historic piece of live drama that they have called Goodbye India. India, 1946. 
Wasim! Wasim! Where's my damn house boy? Sub? Ah, Wasim. Yes, Colonel Kingsley Sub. You're wanting fresh and turtle peg, or will Sahib be waiting till Mansab is getting back? <laughs> no, I'm going down the club. Carry my bags, will you? Uh, carry my bags, Wasim. Oh, look, Sahib, Mansab's come back. Deirdre phoned. She's taking a trip, and she wants me to go with her. Where to? She's going to call Cutter. <laughs> She's going to Calcutta. Is she? Well, you'll just have to put her off. I've just heard we're pulling out of India. Britain decides to pull out. Tragedy for India. Well, Harold, I suppose this is the end of the Raj. The end of the Raj. What a pity I never got to see the Taj Mahal. <laughs> Still, at least we can take one last look at the temple. You must take off shoes before entering the temple. Yes, of course. You know, frankly, Daphne, I won't be sorry to leave India. The flies, the heat, the endless stream of buggers. Beggars. Goodbye, Wesson. Goodbye, Mansab. Here, Mansab, a present for you. Come in the train, darling. The rains have started. Goodbye, India. That was goodbye, India. Radio active. My knowledge. Transvesticism uh, is, of course, a subject for many jokes, but uh, for some people it is a serious problem. What makes a man dress up as a woman? Dr. Alan Jones. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's a latent desire to let out the feminine side, the gentle side, um, a desire to reach out for something comforting in an increasingly hostile world. Is it? Mm, well, that's why I do it anyway. <laughs> A transvestite uh, can be the most apparently normal person. This scene was recorded in an ordinary suburban house. Uh, right, well, I'm off, dear. Brian? Yeah? Are you going out like that? What do you mean? Oh, right, yeah, it's stupid of me, sorry. I forgot my briefcase. <laughs> no, Brian, I, I meant... It's just that... Well, I think you're wearing my bra and knickers. <laughs> what on earth makes you think that? They're on your head. <laughs> well, uh, with me now is a self-confessed transvestite by the name of Bubbles. Uh, Bubbles uh, doesn't want to be known by her male name. Uh, now, you have a job, don't you, Bubbles? Uh, what do you do? I'm a spot welder. <laughs> and uh, do your workmates know about Bubbles? Oh, I sometimes I come into work dressed up as Bubbles. Uh, quite a thing at work. Uh, me and me gold lamy cocktail dress, fishnet stockings and uh, tin hat. <laughs> and uh, have your workmates come to terms with Bubbles? Oh, I. But it's just part of everyday life to them now. They accept her? Uh, no, every day they call me stinking poof and beat me up. And now, Commercial time. Smooth and Shine, the gentle shampoo from Laurie. 
Smooth and Shine is so smooth, so gentle. And you can wash your hair as often as you like, because Smooth and Shine shampoo cares for your hair. Smooth and Shine strokes and pampers every last strand and caresses each root and follicle. It cries when you have split ends and weeps openly when you leave the bathroom. <laughs> Smooth and Shine will wait up for you at nights just to make sure you're all right. And we'll send you a Valentine each year, just in case no one else does. Smooth and Shine, the sensitive shampoo that loves and cares for you without being too possessive. Because it realizes you have your own life to lead and respects you as a human being. Hello, Mary. Hello, June. Whatever are you wearing, Mary? I'm wearing a red lace 36C bra with matching knickers, June. <laughs> no, on top of that, Mary. Oh, this coat, you mean? Yes. Oh, well, June, it's the new campus all-purpose anorak from Robinson's at Watford. It's jolly smart, Mary. Yes, June, and just look, inside it has one, two, three, four pockets, all with zips or Velcros. How many pockets, Mary? One, two, three, four, June. One thousand two hundred. No, just four pockets, June. <laughs> Plus a removable lining in gingham, which you can use as a tablecloth. Oh, that's, that's handy. Yes, June, and the new campus all-purpose anorak also unfolds to make a full-size parachute for the weekend skydiver. Mm. Plus in the breast pocket, a handy bivouac for those Antarctic expeditions. Oh, so, where are you going in it, Mary? I'm not going anywhere in it, June. Oh, why not, Mary? You can't move in a ruddy thing, boys, a ton. Well, time now for some music, which is going to be requested by a member of one of our minority groups here today. So, uh, what do you want to hear? <laughs> yes, you, you don't have to hum it. Uh. <laughs> just, just the title will do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you find it so funny. Um, what, what, what is it? Yeah, well, I'm afraid we haven't got... Um, so, here instead is Jamaican reggae star Eddie Grunt. Do you like him? <laughs> yes, I thought you would. This country, man, it's a terrible bore. What on earth did I want to move to Ethiopia for? How should I stay with the equals? I might have looked less of a Charlie. I cursed the whole stupid business and put the blame on Bob Marley. Wanna smoke any more dope? This stuff goes right to my head. The thought of just one more joint fills me with dread. This Rastafarian religion is sure a peculiar sect. All his talk about I and I is grammatically incorrect. <laughs> and if you don't wear your hair in the style of the dreadlock, the people call you names that suggest you were born out of wedlock. <laughs> don't want to smoke any more dope, cause London's where I grew up. And down by the rivers of Babylon is where I grew up. Yeah. 
Jamaican star Eddie Grant there, and uh, with me now is Jamaican Winston Manley. Now, Winston, I know that Jamaicans are famous for their proverbs. Yes, that is right. Proverbs form a rich part of our culture, encapsulating as they do so much of West Indian philosophy. Uh, well, uh, perhaps we might hear one or two of them now. Right. Banana grow on banana tree. Let's <laughs> see. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Uh, yes, what does it mean? It means all things on earth are predestined. Try to change them as we may, we cannot do so. <laughs> see, uh, how about another one then? Uh, last bus gone, you're walking home. <laughs> and that means? That means man is but a fleeting presence on this earth. There is a destiny that shapes his end, which he is powerless to control. Uh, right. And another one? Uh, coconut nice, but hard on the outside. <laughs> Meaning? Wisdom is achieved by those who look for it, but the wheel of fortune grinds the wheat and the chaff together. <laughs> also, get out of the way when a coconut falls out of a tree, otherwise it will give you a nasty crack on the head. Uh, uh, one more, then. One more. This uh, jockey with empty head, him easy, have him leg pulled. <laughs> what does that mean? That means flowers grow best in the springtime. Fascinating. Well, we still have a great number of people in the studio who wanted to put their views across, but we only have time for a very quick word with one or two of them. Yes, uh, give Belgium back to the Belgians. Jeez, I thought the Belgians already had Belgium, in fact. Oh, good. Well, I'll be off then. Well, thanks for coming. <laughs> Uh, right, perhaps we could hear a final word from a representative of Anarchists Against Everything. No! No, no, no. no. Uh, well, I'm sorry that lots of people uh, here haven't had the time to speak, but I'm sure that by all mingling here, they've been able to share some of their ideas with each other. I see that a representative of the uh, campaign to bring back the rope has uh, made friends with a group of sadomasochists from Birmingham. <laughs> and a man from the legalised cannabis campaign has been happily talking to a large lampstand in the corner of the studio. <laughs> Radioactive was performed by Helen Atkinson Wood, Angus Deaton, Jeffrey Perkins, Philip Pope and Michael Fenton Stevens. Music was by Steve Brown and Philip Pope. And the programme was written by Angus Deaton and Jeffrey Perkins with additional material by John Cantor, Murray Hunter and John Doherty. The producer was Jamie Ricks. That concludes Radioactive's minority program. If you'd like more details on any of the clubs or societies mentioned in this program, there are leaflets in the Radioactive foyer giving names and addresses you should contact, explaining what each society does, how it raises its funds, what projects it's currently working on, what achievements it's accomplished over the last year, how the money is spent, what sort of people are involved, and just what makes them tick. There's a full-page spread on the Clacton Buddhists, and the lovely vegan Vera shows us why she prefers vegetables, plus a cardboard pin-up of minority sweetheart Jeremy Isaacs, all in the Radioactive Minorities Fun Book, available from the foyer, price £7.50, to ensure minority readership. <laughs>